Welcome back, friends, to another exciting episode of the Airgun Geeks podcast. In this episode, we're going to meet the amazing Kayla Nevius and hear some of her antics from across the globe as she chases game, chases rogue bench rest targets, and anything else that she can take out with her airgun. Welcome back, Airgun Geeks. We have a wonderful episode of the Airgun Geeks podcast for you today. And uh, Patrick and I have some unfinished business uh, to wrap up the rest of 2023. Uh, Some of it actually got resolved this week. Uh, Yours truly will be repping the Airgun Geeks brand at the one and only SHOT Show in lovely Las Vegas, uh, Nevada, Mm -hmm. later, uh, well, actually the beginning of 2024. And... uh, that's going to be really exciting. I hear there are some incredible announcements that are going to be made in the airgun space. And I was told I cannot miss this shot show. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to miss this shot show. Uh, on the path to getting my credentials for shot show, I am now an official member of the Outdoor Writers Association of America. So yay, the airgun geeks are represented. Yay! Yeah, we actually have a true media representation, and uh, you know, I mean, we're 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 probably the biggest podcast in the airgun space as far as distribution goes. Um, and it's kind of funny that you know we're just now coming into actually getting legitimate credentials for this stuff. But uh, it turns out Shot Show doesn't let just anybody in, and uh, you know, I've snuck in with some manufacturers in the past, but um, now I've got a I've got an official press card. And I'm going to wield it. Uh, Pat was kind enough to get my application through uh, through the the people who control the shot show. So thank you, Pat, for that. You're welcome. We do still have an ongoing contest, right? You need to vote for your favorite Airgun Geeks yep. host, and uh, but you do that by doing the email, and I'll put the emails up on the screen. I'm not going to go through and uh, and voice them again, but. Uh, do uh do be sure to send us a your address and who you're voting for uh based on which email address you use either pat's or mine and uh, we'll get you a set of stickers in the mail um i will uh point out that uh, yours truly is currently in the lead and pat needs some love pat needs yes. some uh needs some votes we need to need to bolster those numbers so do do take a moment and dash an email off to uh I'll give it to you anyway. It's airgungeeks plus patrick at gmail.com. Thank you, Bill. Yeah. I'm not gonna give mine because I don't I don't want any more votes. I want them all to go to time. <laughs> uh Pat, what have you got from uh from your side of the world today? Well, um it's it's amazing that we've hit a uh a goal of a hundred subscribers on YouTube. And I looked today and there's 114. Uh, YouTube says that people love our content. So <laughs> I'm excited. So that 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 is a lot because of uh, because of what you've done, Bill. I really am appreciative of everything you've done for the intro. It's very exciting. You're editing. Um, I'm just half the team, but I think you're about 51 percent ah, because it's a it's a visual thing. Uh, and you make me sound good and apparently look good. So, so there's that. Um, I'm excited that you're going to, to shot show that that's a big thing for the podcast. I would have never thought that when we started this three years ago, that we would be media at, at 
one of the biggest shows in the country. Yep. So, and, and I couldn't be more happier that you're going um, because I couldn't because of multiple reasons with Bonnie and whatnot. Uh, so I know the podcast is in great hands and everyone's going to be excited to see you, but I'll, I'll be there next year. Um, Fantastic. We are wrapping up a lot of things at the end of the year. We got sponsors that are wanting to come aboard for next year. We got big guests that are getting lined up to come in for next year that well, we're gonna bigger actually, than tonight's guest, though. I will. No one bigger than who we have tonight. No, not at all. So I'm excited for the future. I'm excited for everything that's happening and spreading the the air gun hobby over to the firearm side is what's exciting. Also, I would have never thought that would have happened either. Yep. Could so, not agree more. I agree. Are we just about ready to get this party started, Pat? We are. I am so ready. I'm like trying not to jump out of the chair right here. Okay. So I'm going right. to let you take over. Well, let's let's do our introductions. Ladies and gentlemen, gather around your audio devices because today we have a guest who is not your average huntress. She's more like the Wonder Woman of the airgun world, a skilled marksman who can dominate on the bench rust circuit, a huntress so effective the deer invite her to their poker night just so they can get a break. And the woman whose origin story might just involve a secret Amazonian upbringing, or so we suspect. When she's not busy saving the world from rogue soda cans and invading armies, she's sharing her wisdom with the air gun and hunting community on YouTube and social media. So grab your lassos of truth, Embrace yourselves for a podcast episode that's sure to be both epic and entertaining. Please welcome the one and only Kayla, the Airgun Wonder Woman, Nevius. <laughs> Thank you. That was quite the intro. <laughs> I'm glad you like it. Thank you. <laughs> so, Kayla, tell us, uh, you you have kind of blown into our air gun world uh on a wind uh that is just uh you you've stuck out like a sore thumb uh with your placing in two of the biggest bench rest contests um maybe tell us uh who you are wh where you come from and then we'll get into finding out more about your air gun roots oh man um Long story short, I'm just a small town California girl. I live in the middle of the mountains, um, kind of far enough away from the city and all the people, but close enough to the mountains, lake, river, and basically anything outdoors that I want to do, mm -hmm. which has just been amazing. Um, went to college for four years, uh, worked in mental health for a handful of years after that, Worked as a juvenile corrections officer for the probation department for about five years, and then eventually started my own business. I'm a certified personal trainer and nutrition coach. Um, so I've been doing that for about two and a half years now. Um, and besides all that, um, I mean, to sum all of that up, my favorite things are hunting, fishing, fitness. Um, the shooting thing kind of goes along with hunting, but air guns are completely new to me. I mean, I guess I can't really say that anymore, but I feel like they're so new to me. 
Um, I just got involved in air guns in March. I got invited to be on the air gunner challenge, which is filmed for the outdoor channel. Um, that's actually airing now as we speak, which is awesome. Um, but we did all of the filming for that in March and that was my first real experience with air guns. Now on that show, we filmed, um, I think, 12 different episodes. And in each episode, we used one or two different air guns. And we had like a 10 or 15 minute window of like, okay, go check the guns out, learn them, figure out how to load them, where the safety is, how to shoot them. And then go do this crazy challenge where you're shooting, you know, paintballs off of golf tees or uh, aspirin off of a light bulb and like all these crazy crazy shots. So it's like hardly any time on the gun. Air guns are completely different than like firearms that I'm used to. And then trying to do these challenging shots. That was a crazy couple of weeks of filming and just learning a little bit about air guns, a little bit and a lot all at the same time. It was an incredible experience. So you were Uh, drinking from the fire hose. It was crazy. (laughs) Rossi, As the host of that show, he comes up with the craziest stuff. And I mean, we never knew what to expect. And all of us were new to air guns to begin with. So especially for me, I think the biggest thing was like the wind. I was like, there's like five mile an hour wind or 10 mile an hour wind. And that blows your pellet a lot. Like that makes a big difference. And I had no idea. So um, yeah, that was a big learning curve, but it was so much fun. And I also learned on the show, I didn't realize there was so many varieties of air guns. They're, um, you know, a lot more powerful than I would think, you know, just growing up with, you know, some smaller caliber air guns and nothing super serious. It's like, I always just think of like some little plinkin in the backyard, but nothing crazy and being on the show and shooting like 300 yards or shooting like the big bore air guns or shotgun air guns. And I just didn't realize that there was such a um, big variety and that they were actually, you know, there's, they're actually pretty serious. So uh, that kind of opened my eyes a little bit. And then after that, um, I actually got to go to Idaho on a bear hunt with an air gun And that was incredible. That was, I mean, again, I had no idea that you would be able to hunt, especially an animal like a bear with an air gun. Um, So that was amazing. Um, I can talk more about that if you want, or I can just keep going on about my whole story. I feel like there's a lot. (laughs) No, you go. Roll with it. Um, This is your show. (laughs) My show. So the bear hunt was incredible. Like I said, I didn't really know what to expect as far as, um, you know, how the air gun would perform, but it was amazing. One shot got the bear and I mean, couldn't be happier about that. After that, I got invited to go to RMAC. And so that was like my first competition. And again, I'm like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Didn't know what to expect at RMAC. I was borrowing guns because I didn't have my own guns, like borrowing other people's guns, have no idea what these competitions are, like kind of read about them before I went. Um, But it was basically like a show up, this is what you're using, figure it out type of a thing. 
<laughs> and and you placed was, very well in the pro division. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and so at RMAC, I competed in the pro division. Um, I actually almost made finals for bench at RMAC also, um, but being so new to everything, I didn't understand all the rules. And so in bench rest, um, I'm sure everyone who's listening to this knows, but if you you can only shoot one shot at each target and if you shoot more than one then you get dock 10 points so i actually double shot two of my targets oh, on my man. second card um and i think my first one i shot like a two i think i shot a 212 or a 220 and then my next one would would have been the same if i didn't double shoot and both of my double shots were like nines and tens so i completely ruined it for me on that um yeah, so that was unfortunate, but I was, I mean, excited to, that I even got that close. So that was a ton of fun. I kind of got a taste of the competition world. And again, I was so new to it. I didn't really know what to expect. Didn't know if I would be going to other competitions. I'm just kind of like going with the flow through all of this air gun stuff. Um, and yeah, I ended up going to, where else did we, what was next? Um, Ohio. Uh, at the Pyramid Air Cup. And that was exciting because I actually did place there uh, for bench rest. And going into it, I was like, I just have to do the best that I can. And then once I, you know, kind of shot my first card and I knew I shot pretty well, and I was like, you know what? I, they're, they're placing the top 15. I need to at least place in the top 15. Like that would be so cool. Cause I think there was what, almost 200 competitors for bench rest? I'm not remembering correctly. I think it was like 170-something competitors. Um, so, yeah, I ended up placing 15th, and I was just, like, shocked. I think everybody was a little bit shocked because they were like, wait, who is this girl who just, like, came out of nowhere and just started showing up to these things? I'm like, I don't know. What was so astonishing was your second at bat. <laughs> you go and smack that ball hard and drove it deep down the middle of the field. And I, that that was what was so astonishing because you were you were in with a group of of guys who have done this a lot, who have invested a ton of money and time and and you know have have stressed over every nuance of yeah. that sport. And here comes Kayla. Oh yeah, I'll give this a try, and and lays down the law and says, "Well, let me show you how this is done, boys. Um, here, here's how you shoot a precision mm -hmm. air gun." Uh, that to me is is what uh, what really got me keyed into your whole story. And I, you know, when you and I first met, it was actually during that whole um, bench rest shooting, and I saw you walk by with a gun that was absolutely gorgeous. The gun had a beautiful finish on it. I'm like, I think I know what shop that came from. Um, that's out of Utah Air Guns, and uh, and I thought, wow, she uh, she is connected to have a gun like that uh, in a contest like this. And I'm thinking, she must be old hat at this. This must be this must be something she does all the mm -hmm. freaking time. And to hear this part of your story, that yeah, I just just kind of got into this recently, and. Uh, and here I am, guys. Ha ha. Uh, that that is that is endearing to me, and uh, I I appreciate everything you've brought to the sport. You've certainly kicked it in the pants. 
Thank you. I appreciate it. Yeah, I feel like um, coming into these competitions without my own gun. And again, that gun, absolutely beautiful. It's not mine. I borrowed it. And it's also not like I got it ahead of time and was able to practice. It was literally like, show up, make sure it's sighted in still mm. and <laughs> go shoot the competition. So, um, and that's how all of the, all, all three of these competitions have been. Um, I still don't have my own gun. I still <laughs> do not practice before the competitions. It, every single competition has been just, these are the guns you're using, go shoot and good luck. And so I feel like it's the air gunner challenge all over again, almost, except for, um, I kind of know what to expect now. I've definitely learned a lot at each competition. I've learned um, just so many things that that going into it, I wouldn't think about. Like I saw people inspecting their pellets before the bench rest challenge. And I was like, I never even thought about that. Like the tiny, the tiniest little imperfection of your pellet can make a big difference. Maniacally um, inspecting their pellets. Yes. Yeah. And, and just so yeah. many, so many details again, that I never really thought about. So at RMAC, I, I messed up with the double shot, um, at the pyramid air cup, I did really well. And, um, and then I also competed at EBR and I didn't do as well at EBR. I did make it to finals, um, but I didn't place in finals. So I did make it to finals. I was very excited about that. Um, but then once finals came along, it was another one of those learning curves. Um, I shot terribly. The wind was really crazy. It was swirling all over the place. And after talking to some people afterwards, I was like, I just could not group. Like I normally I can figure it out and I'm really good at figuring out what my holds are and adjusting for the wind. And I was like, I was all over the place and they were like, oh, you should have uh, messed with your speed. And I'm like, I don't know how to do, I don't know how to, how to do that. <laughs> like, <laughs> I'm like, that. I've never heard of that before. This isn't my gun. How do you do that? Like, why didn't anybody tell me? So um, I, I'm going to go out on a limb here. And I'm going to put uh, our friends at Red Panda, uh, Donnie and Yolanda, and PJ Clark, the Wisconsin Air Gunner. I'm going to put them all on the spot here. And I'm going to tell them that they need to get this lady a Red Panda. Mm -hmm. And they need to bring her down to Florida for a week and teach her everything she know needs to know about how to tune and use that gun properly. And then turn her loose on the unsuspecting competition world because I, she's got the skills to set this on fire and to have to have a woman come into that sport mm -hmm. and 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 with the skill that she obviously has already augmented with her own gun and and the knowledge and the skill to to get it to bend to her will man that's powerful medicine and that you know, uh, it's not like Red Panda needs more notoriety of being in the winning circle, but you know, uh, man, I think I think Kayla, I think you could bring something really special to that. And I'm going to say, uh, Donnie and Yolanda, you need to talk to this lady, and you need to get her a Red Panda, and uh, and it needs to be have a really really nice custom paint scheme on it, and uh, it, it, that needs to happen. I'll I I'll second that motion. That. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
I appreciate that. I definitely, um, after this year in these competitions and kind of just getting thrown into them and doing really well, I'm like, okay, I need to get guns. I need to practice that way next year when I show up, I actually know what I'm doing. Um, because that's, what's so crazy about all of this. I mean, I, I do okay in the other competitions. Um, but for some reason, bench rest seems to be my calling. And what's crazy about it is you have the full, what, half hour to shoot yep. it. I always take between five and 10 minutes and then I'm just done. And I'm like, okay, now what? But I think something <laughs> that helps me out a lot because my background is in hunting, but my background's not in shooting. So I've never done a shooting competition with firearms before this. Um, I've never... I've never even just gone to a shooting range and shot even like my guns. I have shot my pistol a handful of times, obviously, to, you know, stay proficient in that. But even that was not an, as much as I should. And when it came to my hunting rifles, it was always just like, you know, go out a few days before the season, make sure it's zeroed and then you're good. And it was never anything more than that. Um, the, the most shooting experience that I have is actually in archery and I picked up archery about think eight or nine years ago, I picked up archery and I do a lot of shooting with my bow and I've actually been able to relate. It's so interesting because air gun, air guns are like close enough to what I'm already interested in, but then also so much different that I'm even more interested in it. So mm-hmm. Um, I've been able to combine a lot of my firearm hunting experience and my shooting techniques with archery to air guns. So with archery, I have to be, you know, obviously all of it is a trigger pull. So I feel very confident in my trigger, trigger pull, staying calm in, you know, certain situations, especially hunting. A lot of that is, you know, fast paced or it's a high stress situation. So I feel comfortable as far as that part of it. And I think that helps me in the competition world. Um, But then even with archery there, you have to pay attention a little bit more to the wind and stuff like that. So I feel like I've been able to kind of combine all of my different um, experience to kind of help me out with this air gun thing. But uh, yeah, I'm definitely interested to learn more and get my hands on some guns so that next year when I show up, I can hopefully do even better. I'm pretty sure you will. You will <laughs> not disappoint. Um, if I might, uh, air gun shooting and hunting have traditionally been uh, a male-dominated field. I mean, um, you know, I have a YouTube channel uh, that covers the air gun world, and honestly, my demographic is almost 98% male from the ages of 40 to 75. That's that's my demographic. And I, I think I'm speaking to a majority of the air gun world in that in that market space. Mm-hmm. Um how how would what would your advice be to women who are looking to possibly enter into this field? Are are we all um just uh tremendously aggressive in this sport or have you found it to be a pretty comfortable place for you to come in and and exist no the air gun the air gun world is amazing like the community in air gunning is probably the best community that i've found within any any sport or hobby that i've done 
um, at, at these competitions, even, I mean, it's a competition where everybody's competing against each other and there's a lot of money on the line. And to me and everyone that I've seen, it's like everybody's buddies and everyone's helping each other. And if you have an issue with a gun, like there's so many people that are there willing to offer in hand. And I mean, the whole entire community was just like awesome, friendly, super helpful. Obviously with me bringing being brand new and having no idea what I'm doing. I'm just like asking questions to any random person that I see like, Hey, where do I go? Or what am I supposed to do with this? Or what happened to my gun? Cause it's not actually my gun. Like, <laughs> um, I did a lot of that and I always had multiple people just like ready to help me out and everyone's super respectful and friendly. And it was just a, a fun group of people to be around. That's fantastic. What would your advice be to other women looking at this, uh, you know, coming into the air gun sports and, and being competitive? What would your advice to them be? Kind of my advice for women getting into anything. It's like um, anytime I have a woman who asks me about like getting into hunting or shooting or archery or fishing or whatever the case may be, um, my best advice is usually like, ask questions. If you, if, you know, if you see other girls who are doing it, even through social media is so big now, and there's so many resources online, you can make so many connections. And like I said, people are just so helpful. So definitely reach out. If you see someone who is doing what you're interested in, don't be afraid to follow them or subscribe to what they're doing and reach out and ask questions because most people are going to help you out. Um, and then besides that, just do it. Don't be afraid. I feel like so many people are afraid of doing something new for no reason. And the air gun thing, I mean, going on American Air Gunner was 100% out of my comfort zone. Like, I've turned down so many TV shows I don't even know. Well, you and, have to be around Rossi for an extended period of time. So that that in and of itself yeah. is, is probably yeah. a lot. <laughs> two, full, two full weeks with Rossi screaming. <laughs> <laughs> it was it was amazing and then and then i keep getting stuck around with him because he's sending me to these competitions and then i was just in africa with him for two weeks also hunting with air guns so it's been yeah it's been incredible but definitely don't be afraid like take take a leap of faith um there's plenty of people out there who are willing to help you out if you have any questions at all and yeah just don't be afraid to dive right in head first because there's people who are going to lead you that's fantastic. So Pat, um, I don't know if you follow Kayla on Instagram, but she just recently posted a video of her showing a technique that as long as I've been around the hunting world, which I was, I was a young man when I had my first hunting license and actually helped my friend teach, um, the, the hunter safety class in my state. And we we had the dubious honor of showing people how to field dress game for the first time. And of course, when you're in that world uh, and you're using an animal for demo, you get whatever the state police dropped off to you. And you have no idea how long it sat on the side of the road. Ooh. And, you know, it was so <laughs> funny because when when we when we opened that carcass up, of course, it was bloated and it, you know, all of these city slickers right east coast city slickers are standing around like huddled over this animal and my buddy ted opens up that carcass and this odor kind of took over that 
that area. And uh, a lot of people evacuated their breakfast immediately when that happened. <laughs> and I thought, wow, you know, that was my first experience with, with field dressing game uh, in, a, in a clinical environment. And then I watched Kayla show a technique I have never seen. Now, Pat, maybe you've heard of this before, but have you ever heard of gutless game dressing? No. All right, Kayla, tell them how it's done. Because I, I want to see this one day. I, I want to be present when you do this because I am absolutely intrigued with watching. Because you look like a surgeon in, <laughs> in the shots that I saw, which weren't, you know, I would have much rather been the cameraman there where I could have been right up on it and seen it. But tell us, tell us what that's all about because I found that to be fascinating. All right. So I actually posted that video because I was getting so many questions. Um, and I kind of want to backtrack a little bit because it started with um, the reason why I posted that video started with a deer that I shot um, in rifle season a couple months ago. And air gunning actually helped me kill that deer. Um, That's awesome. Which, which was amazing for me in the moment because um being raised with rifles and hunting and like i said we did hardly any shooting uh we never used range finders we never knew like what the actual range was my dad would just be like hey it looks like it's kind of far like aim at its back but with like we never had i just didn't know i was not educated i live in a tiny town where there was no one to teach me um besides the knowledge from my dad that he'd passed down and a lot of that stuff just didn't just didn't happen for me so I started learning more about ranges once I got into archery um, when I was older. And then I kind of was like, I can't believe we never used range finders for rifle hunting. So up until a couple years ago, I was not shooting my rifle at a distance. Now I still shoot my youth model 243 that I got when I was a itty bitty child. And that's just my rifle that I always use. So that's what I use this year. But um, because of air guns and learning about holds and just learning about what your bullet is actually going to do, um, I learned a lot more about my rifle. So because of that, I was actually my um, shot on this deer came up over a ridge and he was 350 yards away. And that's the farthest shot I've taken on a deer before, especially with my 243. Um, but because I learned what I did through air guns. I was able to confidently pull up on that deer and know exactly where I needed to hold. And it, that was it. Like, I, I was just like, wow, this is incredible. Air guns actually helped me kill this deer just now. So, um, yeah. You, so after, used, you used your pack as a rest, didn't you? I did. Um, so I, I hiked up, I hiked back um into these mountains and then i hiked up to the top of them too and i was coming up over this ridge and i was like all right take a few take a you know pause for a second take a few breaths catch your breath before you come up over and so i started creeping over and i just glassed this next face that i could just see part of it and i glassed and i saw a little deer and i was like ah, i'm not going to shoot him you know I, I i came back here on this hard hike for a reason i want to get in a bigger deer and so I glassed around a little bit more and then I saw him and I was like, I'm shooting him. So um, I had to creep up a little bit farther and I actually tried to lay prone and use my pack laying down as a rest, but I just was too low. And so I picked up my pack 
and I crept forward even more. And then he was actually at a point where he was about to feed over the next ridge. And so I was like, I do not have enough time. And so I actually um, was kneeling. I used my right knee as my backrest with my elbow. And I had my pack sitting, standing straight up like this. And I set my barrel on the pack as my front rest. And it was definitely not the most sturdy rest for a 350 yard shot. But (laughs) um, again, I feel like the experience of just like a slow trigger pull and knowing you know, knowing your breathing and just knowing when to pull the trigger. I feel like a lot of that is kind of extinct instinctive, but, um, luckily everything came together. Right. And I made it happen. So shot got him back in my scope as quickly as I could, um, while I reloaded and I just watched him tumble. So couldn't have been happier about all that. Um, but yeah, so that deer, uh, I kind of documented that a lot because I was by myself. So I hiked way back in the mountains and I was taking just little videos um, during the hike in. And then once I shot him and I kind of just documented it as like a, I don't know, selfie video, Instagram story type type thing. Um, And then after I, while I was out there, actually, I tried to record um, a video of me field dressing the deer because I've had people ask me in the past about my gutless deboning method. Um, and in the middle of it, my phone actually ran out of memory and deleted everything that I'd recorded from that process, uh, which was unfortunate. And so then anyways, I finish, you know, I, I debone him, I get him in my pack. I take some more videos of the whole process. Like I said, the whole thing is documented and, and I put it all on my Instagram once I got back and I kind of told the story on Instagram and I shared a handful of the videos of, you know, me packing him out and just the whole story. And everyone was like, what is this boneless method you're talking about? Like, cause a lot of people were telling me to, to gut it. And I'm like, no, I don't gut my deer. And they're like, what do you mean you don't gut your deer? So that kind of led to me posting the video that I just posted. And that video was actually a few years old. I feel like I've perfected the technique a little bit more since then. Um, and that was just a time lapse that I did one day when, again, I had killed a deer and I was butchering myself. And um, so the whole process, essentially the hunting that I do, I'm always way back in the mountains. So that deer that I just got um, a couple months ago by myself, I was about three and a half miles away from the truck. And when you're that far back and you're me, (laughs) I'm five, three and like 125 pounds. So when you're my size and you have to pack out a deer, that's the same size or bigger than you. Um, my goal is to get as much meat as I can, and I'm not taking any weight that I don't have to. So, uh, that's kind of where this technique comes in. I'm able to, um, have everything fit in my pack And I'm able to carry it all weight without excess or carry it all out without excess weight. So essentially this boneless, um, gutless or gutless deboning method, I guess it would be called is the way I do it. And again, I, I don't know. I think I watched a a couple YouTube videos on it, which there's really not much out there at the time, at least when I learned it. Um, so I've kind of like tried it and learned by trial and error, but I essentially just cut down the back of the deer, you know, lay them on its side. I actually, the the mountain that my last deer was on was so steep. I had to kick out a flat spot, drag them on the flat spot. Um, 
but yeah, I just cut down along, you know, the back of the neck all the way along the spine. And then I skin him down on one side and then I take out the back strap and then I cut off both, you know, the front quarter, hind quarter. And when I cut off each quarter, I completely debone it. So I just take all the meat off the bone. I'm super weird. I'm kind of like, I don't know if it's because of my fitness background, but I am really intrigued by all of the muscles. So even though I do grind most of my deer meat, I do take a handful of the, you know, good roasts and stuff that I keep out for jerky meat or for roasts or, or steaks or whatever. So I like to actually cut out each specific muscle while I'm doing it. Um, but essentially you're just cutting all the meat off the bone and then you leave the bone there and do the same thing, you know, same thing for the front quarter, hind quarter, take all the back straps, cut out all of the neck meat, rump meat, rib meat, any other meat that's on that side that you can grab. And then you flip them over and you do the same thing on the other side. Um, and then you can actually reach up behind the ribs once everything's cleared off and you can grab the tenderloins. And if you are interested in getting any of the internals, such as the, you know, heart liver, um, you can, you can do that after, after, and I feel like it's still a lot less messy than if you were to gut them. Um, so yeah, Mm -hmm. it's, I think it's easy, it's less messy, and then you don't have to open up all of the guts while you're, skinning. And a lot of people I actually had comment and say, you know, they're in areas where there's grizzlies. And so they don't like to open up the guts. They like this method because it prolongs the time that the predators will come. Um, So yeah, I do that. And then after I'm done with everything and I get it all loaded up, then I actually do open up the guts so that predators will come and scavenge on it. But um, yeah, that's the whole, the whole process. That's amazing. So when you go after that, that heart and the liver, um, are you going in more like a surgeon and you're just going in through an incision and, and taking those parts out? Or do you, do you, are you going to take those when you finally do inviscerate it and, and open up the cavity and, and let that stuff out for the predators? What is your, what is your technique there? I usually just, if I, if I'm going to grab those, which I don't always, um, if I'm going to grab those, then I just open it up and find them in there and grab them. That's so cool. Yeah. (laughs) I, uh, I, I have, uh, I have a small farm, uh, up in the North of you, I believe, uh, I'm just above Santa Cruz, about 12 miles outside of Santa Cruz and the Santa Cruz mountains. And, you know, I, I cheat like hell, uh, around here when I'm, when I'm dressing animals and I, you know, if we butcher a goat or something, I'm going to, I'm going to put my, uh, my, my, uh, that animal up on the bucket of the tractor, hoist it up. You know, I, I've got a five gallon bucket there. Everything's going in the five gallon bucket and then I cape it. And then, uh, you know, either process it myself or take it down to the, uh, to the processor. And, you know, I'm just doing it the way I was trained to do it. And that's why this whole technique has been so intriguing to me because I had never even heard of it before. Well, uh, even, even me, um, you know, the way that I was raised hunting with my dad, we always hunted in really easy access areas and hunting with my dad, we always gutted it and just drug it out because it was close enough to drag out. Or, you know, my dad would always take me to a place where you could drive up to the top of the mountain and then you would hike down to the bottom of the mountain. And so even if you got something, it was dragging it downhill. 
Um, and then once I started hunting on my own, I started archery hunting, I started hiking, you know, 10 to 20 mile days. I was like, I, there, you can't drag a deer out of these places. And I mean, you saw me, you probably saw the video of me trying to drag the deer two feet up to the flat spot that I kicked out for him. And I could barely do that. This deer is bigger than I was. Um, I was impressed with that effort, by the way, <laughs> because I saw the pitch that you were on and I knew that that deer outweighed you by at least 35, 40 pounds. And I thought, damn, this chick <laughs> just absolutely manhandled that deer mm -hmm. up that grade and said, no, you're going where I want you to go. And this is the direction you're going. And there's no, no if, ands or buts about it. That's what's going to happen. And you made it happen. So bravo. I, I absolutely appreciated that effort. And I thought it was so funny when you were talking later about comments that you got um, from guys sitting in their underwear in their parents' basement. And I thought to myself, I, you know what, boys, shut up. <laughs> just, just shut up. You're not, you're not, you're not sharing anything, any good knowledge here at all. Just uh, let this lady do what she does. Uh, Cause she's magic. <laughs> yeah, it's com those people are comical to me. I mean, you never <laughs> you never have anybody talk bad about you who's doing better than you. It's always people who, you know, I don't know. They're they're not really worth any of my time. It's comical more than anything. But yeah, you made that sound a lot easier th than it was. That um you know, having to move that deer, having to debone him by myself and having to pack him out was brutal. I was miserable. I, the whole entire time I was like, I have to make it. It was a hundred degrees that day. Oh. Um, and so for the pack out, I was like, I have to, I have to pack him out in one trip. Um, because if I leave any of this meat behind, it's going to spoil. It's too hot. And the whole time, like my legs started shaking after like 20 minutes. And I was like, you don't have a choice. Like you have to make it you have to make it out. And I don't know how I did. I guess it's one of those things where your mind's more powerful than your body, but it was, it was brutal. I was miserable after that. And then even the next couple of weeks after that, I was still hurting pretty good. So, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> and then apparently it's like childbirth. You like forget about how miserable it was. And then you're like, I can't wait to do it again. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. It's, you know, our, we tend to not remember pain well. So, you know, I, I was a veteran motorcycle rider for a very long time, a test rider for motorcycle companies. And, you know, I, I would be in the hospital, I would be recovering from broken, you know, broken ribs and broken everything and soft tissue injuries. And then as soon as I got healed, I was right back out on a bike again. So, you yeah. know, it's, we were passionate about what we're passionate about and, uh, you know, you get hurt. Okay. Lick your wounds and, and get back in the game. But, yeah. uh, I, I have, uh, thoroughly enjoyed your adventures on Instagram and I encourage all of our listeners to check out mm -hmm. Kayla Nevius. Um, I believe that's your, your account name as well on Instagram. Is that correct? Yeah, it's Kayla underscore Nevius. Cool. Now, are you on YouTube as well? I have a YouTube channel, but I'm not super active about posting on it. I have most of the like longer format videos are older and it's all hunting, fishing. I mean, cast and catch videos, me catching fish and some hunting stuff, but not, not much recent stuff. Have you, I'm curious, since you operate, uh, 
in the YouTube world, what has your experience been regarding um, monetization of that content? Because mine has been abysmal, especially lately. Um, I've, I have done, I started a series on the Umarex Nodos and, you know, it's a small air gun. I'm just showing some very basic modifications to it. And the first video, which was really just me taking a benchmark of that gun on video, um, they demonetized it right away. And then I challenged it and I won the challenge, which was iffy at best. And then part two, I just uploaded, uh, it just, it just had the premiere to this morning. Um, they actually denied monetization on that. And I'm like, guys, this is an air gun. I'm, I'm modifying an air gun. This isn't like I'm showing somebody how to make an AK-47 full auto, for crying out loud. That's not what I'm doing. Uh, but didn't matter. They demonetized it. And, you know, it's it's challenging for content creators in this space to get any revenue at all. If we don't have people who are committed to just supporting us with memberships or on Patreon or any of those avenues, we don't get anything out of this. So what has your experience been? Uh, yeah. That? Um, as far as YouTube goes, they told me that I can monetize, but I just haven't put in the effort to post consistently. Um, but I, knowing how YouTube is and having some other friends in the firearms world, um, that sounds about right. And then from my side of things, um, Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok, uh, it's, they don't want to help you monetize if you have animals or as far as hunting, um, or even the firearms in the videos, uh, the monetization goes out the window. TikTok, even if my TikTok is, has like a permanent account warning. So if I even show an air gun, if I even am holding an air gun for like two seconds, then they delete the video and tell me that I'm banned for a week. Um, wow. Yeah, they're, they're real strict on me because i am been on their radar too many times. Uh, Instagram, my content can't be recommended to non-followers because of my hunting and firearm content. Um, and same thing with Facebook and yeah, the monetization is just out the window for all of those because they don't like any of it. So if you actually read through most of these platforms, um, you know, their guidelines, most of them show, most of them say that you can't promote dangerous weapons is how they dangerous weapons, um, mm. harming animals is the other one. So it's kind of. It's a tricky situation, unfortunately. I feel like as a whole, anybody who's in the air gun, firearm hunting world, we all need to stick together and, you know, show support to each other. I feel like a lot of people nowadays, everyone is so, I don't know, it's like they don't have the, not even the patience, but it's like our attention span is like two seconds now. And instead of supporting someone um, by liking their um, video or picture, liking it, comment on it, share it, whatever, whatever the case may be, all of that's free. And a lot of people nowadays, they just, they'll watch it and they'll be like, oh, that's cool. But they don't even bother to engage with it. And so that doesn't help us out either. So I feel right. like just sticking together as a community and really just supporting people um, with these platforms can make a bigger difference than, than we think. 
Oh, I absolutely agree with what you're saying yep. there. You are preaching to the choir for sure. Um, and and as far as like, it's hard. Um, I've had some people tell me like, well, you'd have more followers or, you know, you could make more money because you could monetize or, you know, Instagram would show people, they'd show non-followers your videos if you just wouldn't show the blood or whatever. And I'm like, I, I'm going to continue to post the content that I've always posted. Um, I'm not going to censor myself and what I'm doing. I mean, I'm ethically, ethically, legally providing food for myself and there's nothing wrong with that at all. So I'm not going to change who I am to try to fit in with the demographic that they're trying to make everybody fit. So if they mm-hmm. don't like it, then that's okay. But until they kick me off, which I'm sure eventually will happen, actually my original Facebook page, I did lose access to. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it is what it is. It's, at the end of the day, it's social media. And although it is, um, you know, another form of income as a content creator or whatever you want to call us, um, it's not that serious. Like to me, it's more important to stay true to who I am. And if my, all of my social medias got deleted tomorrow, which knock on wood that that doesn't happen, but if it were to happen, then I would still be out here doing the same exact stuff and I'm sure I would share it in some way, shape or form. But at the end of the day, the the reason why I share what I do and since the beginning of me, you know, sharing all of my stuff on social media before my pages grew was just like, this is what I love to do. And hopefully if I share it with the world, then it'll inspire them to get off their butts and stop watching these videos on TikTok and Instagram and and get up and go do something and enjoy their lives. So, um, I mean, if I can make a difference in that way, then I'm happy. And fortunately, the more people who see my page get, you know, they get a dose of that and hopefully I do make a difference. But um, yeah, I think it's important to to stand up for what you believe in. So that's not going anywhere. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I I uh, I have joined with PJ uh, down mm-hmm. at uh, down in Florida and um, Chad Kettner up in Ohio, and we are we are really trying to raise awareness of the constant challenge that us in the content creation world are facing against the social media, um, the shadow bans, and the you know turning the shade on us at will. And and really trying to suppress this kind of content, almost like they're trying to shape the culture of America. Hundred um, percent. Which, you know, the honestly, the gun culture in America is deeper than just guns. It's about independence. It's about having a voice that's not going to be quiet. Um, and and not, you know, I, I've asked the question community standards you you constantly hit me with that stick and you point to it and you say community standard whack whose community it's not my community <laughs> my community Correct. is about going out and killing some squirrels and having those things on the fire in the evening um that's that's my community um whose community are you judging us by and it's you know it's a lot of the a lot of the woke um the woke nonsense that bleeds over into what we do and we have no tolerance for that. So, you know. Yeah. Again. Well, as far, as far as um like these social media companies, these these platforms are 
um, is it's kind of like coming from a marketing standpoint from their perspective. And I understand that. I don't agree with it. But from their perspective, if they have people complaining about seeing this type of content, the hunting, the firearms, whatever, uh, they have people complaining about it. Well, those people aren't going to be as likely to be on that platform. If they don't agree with hunting animals, they don't want to see that, then they're not going to be on that platform as much as if that content's not there. So from a marketing standpoint, I feel like these platforms are saying, okay, well, how can we get the majority of people, like what will fit, um, you know, what's acceptable for the, the majority of people? That way we can get more people on our platform. Um, so unfortunately, by cutting out some of the firearm and hunting stuff that fits more of the acceptable standards for the rest of the people. And so it keeps more people on the platform. And then you have people like us who we're still there. We're still going to share our stuff. It's not like we're going away. It's not like we're, you know, not, you know, we're not avoiding these platforms. We're still staying on them. We're just kind of like crawling and trying to stay there. <laughs> um, but yeah, I get it from their perspective. I just don't agree with it. I know that um, since Elon Musk bought Twitter, which is now X, um, there's no, there's nothing on that as far as um, there's no community guidelines violations for any of that. You can basically post whatever you want. And there are a couple other platforms that I haven't really dove into that allow more of the mm -hmm. firearm and hunting content. Um, yep. I'm on Rumble and X as well. Uh, I, yeah. I'm not I'm not nearly as big there as I am on YouTube. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I'm huge on YouTube, but it's definitely a bigger community on YouTube than any of my other endeavors. But what I've found, I mean, I hear what you're saying about them from a marketing perspective. And here's my challenge to them. Um, you have the technology and the ability to filter content. And if somebody doesn't ever want to see hunting content, then they tick a box that says, filter all hunting content. Don't show me anything. Don't show you know me any gun-related content. And then you have a button for guys like me and ladies like you and guys like Patrick that says, show me all of that. In fact, if you don't have enough of it, make some up because there I want to see all of it. There actually is a setting and it's unless you've changed it, then it's probably still set to what it automatically sets to. So there actually is a setting in Instagram. It's not as specific as what you're talking about. I wish they did that. Like, please, I'm a vegan, don't show me this stuff or whatever. Um, Wouldn't that be a valid solution though? I, I agree, but there is actually a setting and it's called, it's for sensitive content. And if you go into your settings and you find this filter that they have set for you, um, they automatically have it set to not show sensitive content. And so you, for someone like you or me, you have to actually go into the settings and you have to click a button that says, no, show me, show me all of the content. Um, otherwise a lot of it's hidden. So it's interesting that they did throw that in there and they didn't like tell anybody about it. They just kind of threw it in there that had these automatic filters to, to leave out sensitive content. And I'm like, no, I want to see all of that. That's like, those are, that's all my friends post. <laughs> like, that's what I'm actually here for. Um, so yeah, it's just, uh, the world is a crazy place right now. And a lot of people are trying to shape us and control us. Mm -hmm. And 
It's just crazy. It's just crazy to me because it's like, look at how our ancestors survived. And it's like, are we just forgetting about all that? And we're just planning on having robots rule the world and having people not have a say in anything and just like also live like robots. I don't, I don't understand. I'm with you there. I am absolutely with you there. Patrick, you have been notoriously quiet. Oh, I'm just sucking all this in, but you know, Bill, you we, we've talked about this a lot, and I'm just sitting here going, "We've this is the same conversation we had." Get different advertisers. You got you got Smith and Wesson. You got uh, Moss Yoke. You got all these advertisers that you're telling me don't want to be on our content. You got what? Uh, FX Pro Cabela's. Yeah, you Johnny know, you, Miller. <laughs> and then you get all the air gunners, you know, manufacturers. You got you tell me Donnie don't want to advertise, FX air guns don't want to advertise, hot sun, bull malarkey. This is like we said, they're trying to, to narrow down the, the spirit of the Americans, and that's oh, we love our guns. We do, but there's a culture and, and whatnot that goes behind it, a history. Well, and Unfortunately, um, if you look at the social platforms for those companies as well, they're also shadow banned, if you want to call it that. Mm -hmm. And their content can't be recommended to non-followers. And they're they're I mean, they're on a bigger scale. So I mean, just imagine like my page, I see it a lot, but then you see these pages that have million followers. And if you look at their real views for Instagram. Um, it's like they have less than someone who has a hundred thousand followers, like, and they have a million, like they should be getting seen like crazy. And it doesn't matter how good their video is. It's just, um, yeah, it, the algorithm changes all the time, but it stays pretty consistent as far as this circle of content. Mm -hmm. And if they don't want people to see it, it's not going to be seen. And that's just the way it is. I'm but convinced there's a guy within the YouTube sphere <laughs> who's got like the shade gun and he just runs around like throwing shade on people that he doesn't like. And he's like, okay, nobody's going to see you. Or he's got some knob on his desk. He's like, oh, let's turn him way down. It's and true. That, yeah, it's true. It automatically happens. I mean, like I said, I, I have the permanent account warning on TikTok and then even on Instagram, it's like it straight up tells me like your content cannot be recommended to non-followers and it's crazy because like if i collaborate with a company and you know i collaborate a handful of times with like the outdoor channel or this the sportsman's channel and i'll look at my analytics and you know i can have a post up for a full day and it'll be like you know your post has forty thousand views and 24 non-followers saw it um and then the collaboration will go through with one of these other pages. And then it's like my views double. And because of non-followers, because if I collaborate with them, then their followers see it and they're not following me. Um, but it's just like, that's like one of those little workarounds because besides that, my content isn't getting shown to anyone who doesn't follow me. And how are you supposed to grow or expand or educate people who aren't in this space or educate people who are interested in this space if you don't have that? Mm -hmm. The key is they don't want you, anyone to share it. Yeah, it sounds oh, exactly. like weed, issue. Sounds like so, weed control. Yeah. yeah. Yep. But That's but God is. forbid you're you know a hot young girl, quote unquote, shaking her booty. It's everywhere, and it's, that's 
is yeah. as a female in this space it's insane the stuff that i see on my page and that stays on instagram like it doesn't get taken mm-hmm. down and then i and then i post something where i'm like fully clothed and i'm gutting a deer and then they're like nope we're banning her <laughs> like wait what so, so is the key you need to be in a string bikini while boning out a deer I don't know. I've never tried it and I never will. So. <laughs> but that's what they're, they're pushing towards. Yeah. Just, if I was, they'd, right. probably, they'd probably be like, oh, we'll keep that because people will want to see that. Yeah. I don't know. It doesn't make sense. The world's backwards. And again, all we can do is we can just support each other. And, um, and especially, you know, I feel like if you support the pages that you want to see more too, that makes a big difference because the algorithm does work in that way. And if it, if it sees that you're engaging with certain pages, um, then it will show you their content more. So again, as simple and stupid as it sounds, but even just like liking someone's post and commenting on it does make a big difference. And I feel like, unfortunately we're too lazy now that that doesn't happen as much as it should, but, um, yeah, I mean, even on that video that I just posted, I, I haven't looked at the analytics today, but I know yesterday I think I had like 100 comments and I had um, about 700 people had saved it. And I think 500 people had shared it. And, you know, that makes a big difference too. But I was just thinking like, wow, that many people saved and shared this, but only a small fraction of them actually commented on it. Um, it just, it's, wild mm-hmm. yeah well, you're right about our attention span and you know unfortunately you know things like um tiktok youtube shorts have really exacerbated mm-hmm. that tendency for us behaviorally to give up that attention span we want that immediate gratification it's like i liken it to a, a dopamine pump it's it, it that's 100% what it is. My background's in psychology and I think about that all of the time, especially while I am creating content myself because I'm like I know what people's attention spans are. You have to hook them right at the beginning and get their attention otherwise they're just going to scroll on by. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, I I know when I do a when I do a 30 minute piece on YouTube, uh only my only my most devoted followers are going to actually take the time to watch that all the way through. So yeah. I always I always put the really good stuff at the end, and that way the people who had the fortitude to stick with me get rewarded. I like that. <laughs> well, Kayla, I uh, I want to thank you very much for coming on the Air Gun Geeks podcast. I have one last question for you. Can you tell me what your most memorable? event or situation was in your very brief air gun competition world experience what was the one thing that stood out and you were like wow that that was special oh gosh um obviously placing in the pyramid air cup was pretty incredible because i mean even you and i talked to you about it you're like you just placed you just got 15th place in this like that's a huge deal and people who i talked to afterwards you know are coming up to me and asking me questions about my shooting experience and my background and all of this stuff so 
that was pretty incredible. But that also, I, I feel like that kind of put a target on my back because then when I went to Arizona, everyone's like, all right, we know that you're here to do business. And I was just like, oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, but honestly, all of it has been so much fun and everyone's been so awesome. So it's hard to, it's hard to really put, put one thing, but, um, you know, I accomplished something there. So I feel good about that. That's awesome. Pat usually has the, the roundup question for our guests on the Air Gun Geeks podcast. So I'll let him ask that one. Hmm. Out of all the guns that you have shot, do you have a favorite? Oh, gosh. Uh, I bet the 243 favors pretty heavily. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, out of all the air guns, I would say the FX impact. Oh, she went there. Hmm. I think I'll win that bet because they call me the FX guy. It is, <laughs> it is unique, you know? Then, but the only reason, like, so what's interesting about me again in my experience is I handled a handful of guns at the Air Gunner Challenge. And then at these competitions, I've just been thrown guns to borrow. And that's the gun that I've been consistent with in bench rest and I've done well with. So obviously I have some confidence in it. Um, But besides that, I really don't know. Like I would love to really dive into things and get to actually spend some time with a lot of these guns. I mean, some of these guns that, that these guys at these competitions have are incredible and I just haven't had time behind them. I don't know anything about them. This is the side of me where I'm like, I'm completely new and I don't know anything. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that's kind of more of a, that's where my confidence is because that's what I've done well with, but not saying that, you know, there, there isn't a better option out there. I just haven't gotten to experience it yet. The fact that you have a borrowed gun and just blow people away while they're weighing pellets and measuring and putting some sage over it and lubing them up. And you just come in and go, okay, we're done. And I got 15th place. I laugh. Cause <laughs> it's <laughs> what it's it. I tell people all the time, the gun is only half of it. The other half is the shooter. And if you could take a gun that you don't know and place, you're a threat. Now I appreciate that. When, the fact that you're a woman is is unfair too, because all women shooters uh, seem to outshoot us guys. But I'll leave that alone. Um, when you actually get your own gun, let's say an impact, and this is something to look forward to when you're doing it, you end up having like I call it intimate moment with your gun because the impact. There's so many things you could do. It's like owning a Jeep. You can color it up. You can do all this stuff to it and make it yours and then when you go out there they look at them and they go that's kayla's gun you know like rossi with that american flag contraption that he has it's like yeah. what is that thing you know what that is and when you get to do stuff like that that's the really fun intimate part of us geeks you know <laughs> with our guns um you know, it's like, well, what'd you do to your gun? Because I was at a competition last weekend and I'm like, oh, I know that's an impact, but what is that? And why does that barrel look like that? And what'd you do there? All of that aspect, you haven't even experienced yet. I haven't. I I, so I've been really lucky with the guns. Most of the guns that I have borrowed have been Justin Welch's. Um, mm, unfair. 
And Very so well I've, heard that, I've heard that a lot, that that's not fair. Um, so he actually lives pretty close to me too, ironically. Mm-hmm. And um, so I've been lucky enough to kind of have him tuning the guns, making sure the guns are set up properly. Obviously, I don't have him there at the competition. I had him at RMAC and that was, I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Just tell me what to do. And then at all the other competitions, I'm like, I don't have anybody telling me what I should be doing. And like the last one, like I said, um, changing the speed of the gun, I didn't even know. And it's like, yeah, once I have my own gun and I can really get to, you know, dial it in, spend some time with it, really get to know it, then uh, I'll feel a lot more confident. Not that I don't feel confident going into them now, but um, it's definitely comforting to to be confident in your guns. Yeah, I can't wait for you to do that because I disappear like nothing else exists. Bill does the same thing and we talk about it and we just totally disappear in that gun like with the no toes. We love our no toses. And I'm like, well, what'd you do to yours? And it's just like, oh, we did this. And it's just, you disappear. And then when you go hunting and you're like, I can't miss, you know, it's, it's just, especially if you tune it yourself and make your own mods or get that from a really good friend to put on your gun. Uh, it's, it's so much fun. So I can't wait for that to happen and then get you back on the podcast and talk about that experience in itself. Cause that's your next level. Yeah, that'll be, that'll be the next big thing. Once I actually, I've been introduced to the air gun thing. I've been thrown in there and feel like twirled around like a tornado and thrown into these different competitions, (laughs) but I haven't actually like dove in and, uh, had the education and, you know, really enough experience yet to, to, uh, I don't know. Am I air gunner? Rossi keeps calling me an air gunner. And then I went to Africa and I oh, killed you a few are definitely a more air He's like, you're placing in competitions. You're killing animals. You're definitely an air gunner. And I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. I still don't know. I still don't know hardly anything, but okay. I can hear make the one of it. us chant right now. <laughs> All of our listeners are going, one of us, one of <laughs> us. Most definitely. Uh, yeah, but it's been awesome. I'm excited to learn more and uh, compete this upcoming year. Exactly. Yeah, we're wish you lots of luck. Shoot straight and just enjoy the journey. Yeah. Oh, for uh, sure. Always. That's the easy mm-hmm. part. And Kayla, anytime you've got something exciting to announce and you're like, hey, guys, I got to talk about something and you need a voice and a platform. Mm-hmm. You just, you know how to reach us here at the Air Gun Geeks, and you always have a spot here. So don't hesitate to to execute that invite whenever you think you need to. Well, I appreciate your guys' support. All right. Well, do you have any, I always ask this, do you have any final words for the listening and viewing people? Oh, gosh, final words. It could be anything. Doesn't uh, have to be yeah. air gun related, doesn't have to be hunting or gun related. Anything you want to pass on to our listeners and, and watchers. I would say, um, like I mentioned earlier, I've turned down more TV show opportunities than I could imagine. So uh since air guns got me on TV, I would definitely say tune into the outdoor channel to watch uh the air gun challenge, air gunner challenge, and tune into the sportsman's channel to watch American Air Gunner. And you'll get to watch my uh, Africa hunts with air guns. And that's going to be really exciting to watch. Outstanding. 
I do want to have you on again and talk about your trip to Africa. We couldn't even really get to that in this episode, but I definitely want to bring you mm. back on and talk about that whole experience because I'm sure that's a heck of a story too. Yeah, we should do a little partner podcast with me and Abby because we both hunted together and uh, yeah, we were on each other's hunt. So that was a lot of fun. And she's been um, looking at our show notes for 2024. <laughs> yeah, we would love uh, yeah, we would love to get Abby and you on and and have a, a really in-depth women's view perspective on the whole sport and everything. So yeah, yeah. I I'd love that. She came uh she was on my bear hunt in Idaho also. She actually uh got a turkey while we were there. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Wow. All right, Bill, any final words before we uh come to a close? Uh, not for me, other than uh, do check out the new Notos uh, videos that I that I posted. Um, there's there's some interesting things there, some firsts I think that have been done in the Notos world, and uh, and they were definitely a lot of fun to prove that they could be done. Uh, and you know, check out the video, tell me what you think, and uh, and you'll see one of the prettiest Notos I think that uh, that exists right now with its purple anodized bling and. Uh, and all of the nuances that make that gun truly unique. <laughs> so do check that out and do uh, do give us a like and some comments. Like Kayla says, show us the love. Definitely. Yeah, remember to like and subscribe. And like always, stay geeky. Thanks for having me on, guys. Uh, no problem. Thanks for taking your time for us. Of course. <laughs>